Many of us have those stubborn pounds that seem impossible to lose, no matter how good we eat or how hard we work out. My solution is Plush Care. Plush Care is a leading telehealth provider with doctors who are there for you day and night to partner with you in your weight loss journey. They can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wagovi and Zepbound for those who qualify. Plus, they accept most insurance plans. To get started, visit plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. Here's a brief but annoying message to let you know that you could have first heard this episode nine months ago if you were a subscriber to our Iron Filing Society Patreon offering. For the price of a pint and a St. Clement's each month, you can get up to four episodes a week, nine months before the rest of the world gets them. Early access to regular episodes, lots of other marvellous benefits, and there's absolutely no adverts or brief but annoying messages like this that will get right on your ticks. Find out more and subscribe now at tftimemachine.com slash ironfilings. Here we go, here we go, here we go, here we go, this is it! Body Dawson, papa pow. I'm sad and this is a lady, so what? It's part two of the Sir Alpha Ramsey Odyssey. Um, last time we... we 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 didn't really get anywhere near the book, uh, which is called I, I forgot what the fucking thing's called. It's by Leo McKinnistry, who we we uh, talked about a lot. I think it's just called Sir Alf. It's called the Great Big Book of Sir Alf Ramsey. The, yeah, <laughs> the Alf Ramsey <clears throat> Encyclopedia. It's got drawings of him. It's got cross sections of him, like one of those Dawling Kindersley books, like that ghost yeah. one we got. Imagine if they did that. Oh, Alf Ramsey's organs. If ever we get into <laughs> doing Top Flight Time Machine books ourselves, they've got to be based on those ghost books. But we'll do them yeah. about our own subjects, like Alf Ramsey. And yeah, it, like there's always a cross section of something in those books. I lo- I love cross section mm. illustrations. Basically, do you? Yeah, of course you get to see what everything's really about, don't you? Yeah, yeah. I mean, this this podcast itself, if anything, is a cross section of, of life stuff. Mm. Just just whatever. Whatever we choose to yeah, talk about. if we thought about it, we should have called it the cross section. The, with Sam the cross Andy. section. Yeah. But <laughs> <laughs> in fact, it was supposed to be um, a twenty-part look at the history of the Premier League. <laughs> so that is a classic really... cunt's title for a for a podcast. Sorry, the but cross it is. Section. You know, like you, yeah. you'd, you'd read it, wouldn't you? You'd read about it in a newspaper and they'd go, "Yeah, it's a really uh, great podcast." That if you're not listening to, trust me, you should be. It's called the cross section. It's got great yeah. insights. Yeah, the biopsy. It's <laughs> yeah. the guys from the biopsy. Yeah. The bi- have you heard been, what, uh, what, what's their take on this? They've been picked up by BBC Two for a, a late night. Uh, it's kind biopsy. of putting a podcast on TV. They just kind of sit in the studio and talk. Pretty, uh, balls, that fucking, pretty ballsy that, move. The, the, the politics podcast that they have on BBC One, which is just fucking Laura Cunnersberg and that other lot. And they do a podcast, but they do it on the telly. So it's just them being filmed in the studio talking, talking jibber-jabber for half an hour. <laughs> what we do you do think that. about what's happening in politics? <laughs> well, I know, because I sometimes speak to the politicians themselves. We're friends. I've got some of their phone numbers. <laughs> what do they say? <laughs> they say that secretly they're having arguments. The fucking, <laughs> that's, that's the fucking bullshit that political journalism is. It's a bunch of fucking like nerds, fucking- right? The one is the cunts that no one spoke to when they were at university who are fucking 
falling over themselves to have even be within a fucking two meter radius of someone who's in the fucking government and then go off it's and important. write about these people. I, I, I can't tell you I spoke to him, but I did speak to him, a real government a minister. It was a my source. Number 10 source has told me. And he told like me that, that, fucking... that he didn't like one of the other people in the government. And you're like sitting there thinking, mate, there are burnings. There are fucking buildings burning down, you fucking cunts. <clears throat> the country's flooding. Why don't you fucking write about that instead of what these cunts are all saying about each other? Gossip. Fucking gossip. Fucking pathetic. Gossip. Fucking if you want to fucking write about gossip, have some balls and do it like I did when I fucking ran Heat magazine, yeah? Just fucking say, yeah, yeah this is for fuck. This is bullshit crap about fucking idiot celebrities, right? And everyone loves it because it passes the time of day and it's a distraction from your ordinary life. It's all for cunts. I'm a cunt. Everyone in this is a cunt. What a laugh. Come on, oi, oi, right? That's what fucking celebrity journalism is, right? But the political journalists say, actually, this is quite important. No, it's fucking not. It's gossip. Shit that's happening in the world is important. When when Laura Cuddersberg interviewed Dominic Cummings the other week and she was like acting almost shocked at some of the things that she was accusing him of mm. and it's like he was fucking leaking all this stuff to you for fucking four years yeah. do you know what I mean don't pretend you didn't know about it fuck me god it's like they You're got together and man. talked about stuff they'd done over the fucking last four years stuff he'd done stuff she'd leaked they all knew about it they all fucking hell. knew they all fucking you. It's just a cunts. little fucking world. They're all wanking each other off, right? The, the, yeah. the journalists, the politicians, left, right, all of them are just wanking each other off and they all fucking love it. It's like some poncy fucking Oxbridge little society. The Politics Discussion Club. But they fucking now got yeah. grown up and taking it onto like a national stage. But I'll tell you what's really interesting, right? No one fucking watches or listens to this shit, right? The audience figures for things like Newsnight are fucking minute, right? Mm-hmm. They're tiny. Mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. The the newspapers that fucking print this shit are going out of business, yeah? And even mm-hmm. the ones that are, are being fucking bought, people aren't fucking reading these political columns, right? It's a tiny, it's a niche, it is a niche area <clears throat> of interest to people. Tiny niche. Yeah. But it has a disproportionate fucking amplification because of the the power and status of the sort of people who are, who, who are actually producing it, if you see what I mean. So yeah, the BBC totally. will fund it and the newspapers fucking get out. Cause they were, cause, but all they're doing is they were weirdos. They went to Spring Cambridge and they all talked to each other about politics. And they think it's so interesting. Yeah. And, and politicians, and, them are their celebrities. And they all went to the debating society so they could learn how to talk properly about politics. Let's have a debate. And form arguments. Let's have a debate. Let's see who's right and let's see who's wrong about politics and other important things. Whoops. I mean, I used to fucking live tweet question time yeah. for the Sunday People Twitter account just to try and bring some fucking levity to it. But um, I always used to say if the BBC put on, instead of question time, put on 45 minutes of a compilation of Looney Tunes cartoons, yeah. that would get a much higher viewing figure oh, than question 100%. time. Or Imagine a marathon it. It's of, Thursday um, night. A rhubarb and custard night. marathon. Yeah, it's Thursday night, right? We're at the end of a long week. The weekend's almost upon us. It's 10.30. There's fucking Yosemite Sam coming on the telly. Fucking yeah, I'll watch that. What the, f- who the fuck did television think they are? I'll tell you what, right? TV is run to a huge extent 
by the sort of Oxbridge nerds who never fucking watched TV growing up because they were all too busy having piano lessons, right? Or reading their fancy <laughs> books, yeah? So they didn't fucking even watch yeah. TV. They don't know anything about TV. They don't know what fucking entertains people or whatever. And, um, and yeah, and I'm not saying I'm any better because I did watch TV when I was growing up, but I don't watch much TV now, to be honest. I don't. And mm. I was, you know, and I've been involved in TV, but I, I came to a point a few years ago where I thought, what the fuck am I coming up with TV ideas for when I don't fucking know? Because I don't watch this sort of TV. So who am I to fucking come up with a fucking game yeah. show idea? I haven't got a fucking clue. I wouldn't watch it. Yeah. You know, I, I don't, you know, I, I, I sometimes YouTube play your cards, right? Do you know what I mean? And, um, yeah. <laughs> and they, uh, but they sort of fancy TV because it seems easier than working in the city at a fucking bank where you have to get up and get in the job. office at five a.m. and do loads of coke just to sustain the working hours they put they push and, upon you. And the you. thing about TV is, the thing about TV is, it's really easy to continually fill and yet retain your job. Yeah, and so, I mean? so so in a way they're like, right, well, let's put on lots of political shows. Let's do a podcast where they're all talking about politics. Right. Podcasts, but, they're big, aren't they? Let's but no one some fucking of them on. wants that. No one fucking wants that. No one's <clears> listening. Half <throat> the podcast they spend loads of money on, no cunts listening to them. They've got fucking audiences mm. of like 10 or 12, but they've spent a load of dough on them, right? Because they think, yes, that's big. We better get involved in that. Do you know what? Just fucking stick cartoons on your cunts. EastEnders yeah, is all right. People like that. Put the sport on. People like that. We're going to need weather bulletins, but to be honest, most people have more accurate, up-to-date weather on their phone app. So actually, if it comes to think of it, that's another waste of licensee money. They should drop the fucking weather reports. Who relies on a fucking weather report now? I've got three separate weather apps on my phone. I know where yeah. the weather is minute by minute in every fucking corner of the earth, mate. I don't need Michael yeah, Fish up there fucking patronising me. Not everyone's got apps, though, to be fair. Not everyone's got apps. Well, why don't the BBC start putting that money that they're putting in the fucking pocket of Michael Fish, who, let's be honest, probably has a fucking gigantic castle in the, like, mm. you know... It, it, imagine how rich Fish is now, mate. I mean, it, God, he'll be the next cunt building a rocket and firing himself into space, the amount of dough he's I got out he, of us. He, he lives between Kent and Provence, I've heard. Of course he he's fucking got a place does. Out in Provence. He's got a huge castle in Provence. He's got his daughter locked in a tower. He'll never let her out because he's scared of her getting married. <laughs> like Joseph Fritzl. No, it's not like that. It's not sexual. It's just he's very controlling. So in between. He's very controlling. He's got a castle and he's got this beautiful daughter and she's kept in the big tower and he, she gets fed and everything, but she has no contact with the outside What's world. she called? What's she called? Rapunzel? No, it's not called Rapunzel. It's called Lisa. Lisa Fish. <laughs> Lisa Fish is my daughter. She's impossibly beautiful. And that is why I've locked her in the tower, because she's very vulnerable. She's easy, easy prey to predatory He's males. French lads. Yeah, He's and a, French you know lads what the French lads friends. are like? They're a fucking nightmare. We've only got one thing on the cool. mind. <laughs> so what are you suggesting instead? Are you suggesting that on the telly, the BBC, they just have Michael Fish or an equivalent holding up the app to the camera? <laughs> No, they should fucking... Uh, uh, look, most people do have apps. Some old people don't. Yeah. And um, I always thought licence fee money should be setting up as many old people as possible 
on really good broadband, easy to use mm. devices, and education about how to use those devices, it'd be better. Mm. And like because yeah, I don't need. I don't need fish and Ketley and all the others. I mean, it's probably all different now, isn't it? You can see the last different time I, Ketley wa- of fish, isn't it? I watched nope. a fucking weather report was like 1989 or something. <laughs> what goes on <laughs> on the weather now? Is it the same as it was when I was a kid? I don't know. I like to watch the old ones on YouTube where they had the magnets and had to put the clouds on themselves. Oh, BBC Four rerunning every weather report from the 80s. <laughs> <laughs> they should do that, didn't they? And there should be a voiceover <laughs> by who's is, that though. woman? Dune Mc something. It's nineteen eighty nine, and there's yeah. a there's there's heavy downpours in Cornwall. Michael Fish remembers it well. Yeah, nineteen eighty nine was a big year for a rainfall in Cornwall. I remember Kelly coming into me and saying, "Fish," that's what he called me. Fish, we got to do something on Cornwall. I said, Kelly. <laughs> If you think you can fucking tell me what to do, you've got another thing coming. I'm Barry Big Bollocks around here. You're still a fucking baby in weather predicting terms. Now, fuck off. This was around the time I started to build my first castle in Provence. (laughs) The money was pouring in. Mostly license fee money, but uh, I also was getting a lot of commercial deals, personal appearances in nightclubs, that kind of thing. (laughs) It was a wild time. I was doing private... I was doing private weather forecasts in in, uh, Bahrain. Bahrain for the Sultan. He'd fly me in, sometimes at a moment's notice, on a private jet. And I'd just have to stand there and do seven, sometimes 14 days worth of weather predicting. I wouldn't have much time to do my research. I'd often be doing it on the plane on the way over, making notes, furiously writing notes. It was incredible. He'd have, he'd have a big feast. There'd be about like 50 people there, a massive table. And then right at the end, he'd wheel out my weather map and I'd do a forecast for them. And then the dancing would begin. <laughs> I'd sometimes... I mean, I was married. But, uh, you know, he would sometimes insist on sending five or six of his wives, as he called them, to my room at night. And uh, let's just say we had some really good parties. <laughs> and, uh, I mean, normally I have full creative control when I'm doing it at the BBC, but uh, in Bahrain, there was one thing he insisted on that right at the end of the forecast, I had to say, and my forecast for the next few hours is unbridled joy. And then the dancing would begin. And then he would clap his hands like this. And on that signal, <laughs> a stream of the most beautiful women I'd ever seen, belly dancers, would all come in. Belly dancers with big... Real diamonds and rubies in their belly buttons. <laughs> that reminds me, me and me, 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 me kids were at um, Northumberland Zoo on our way up to Scotland a few weeks ago for our yeah. holiday. And we, uh, me and my son decided that the cast iron guaranteed way to get an animal in an enclosure to come over to you yeah. is to do this. Yeah. <laughs> Clap your hats in front of it. And they do. They all come. Yeah, because like they're they're trained in the because they all come from the jungle are. originally, and their their yep. keepers there. That's how they summon them. Yeah. So if you're ever in a zoo, give that a go. Just clap your hands very quickly I'll twice, the and they will all come. Next week, or probably this yep. week, if you're listening Do to it. this, get some footage. Um, we should probably look at the um the book, mm. the Sir Arthur Ramsey book, because that's why we're here. We're starting at the beginning. Um forward preface whatever it's called something like that which uh, gives you the overarching 
look at what it's all about. And it it, it says quite early on, um, it, it sings Alf Ramsey's praises, said that he was the true architect of England's 66 triumphs. He'd moulded his players into a world-beating unit. The experts and press had mocked when he had declared, soon after his appointment to the national job, that England would win the World Cup. So <laughs> he walked in there. Mr Ramsey, on day one. what yeah. do you think England will do at the World Cup? <laughs> win it. Next question. <laughs> <laughs> Goodbye. As he lit a cigar. <laughs> I'm celebrating now. Yes, Why not? I've already spent the money in advance. I bought myself a fucking roller. It's outside if it's you want to see it. It's, it's not a case of when, it's a case of if. No, the other one. It's not a case of if, it's a case of when. I bought myself I'll a Rolls Royce and I've had it painted in the Union Jack colours. <laughs> to celebrate. Celebrate what? Me winning the World Cup in two years? <laughs> I've made a few phone calls, right? And we're going to have it in England in a few years. That'll give us a better chance. That'll be the one we'll win. Just you fucking watch. But um, uh, it says even more incredibly, this is incredible. It took unfashionable Ipswich Town from the lower reaches of the old third division south to the first division title in the space of six years. No other manager has been able to equal this record. That's pretty incredible, that, isn't it? He took Ipswich yeah. from nowhere. I mean, the third division south, that was kind of like the bottom end of that. the same as the old fourth division because you had the third division north and the third division south so the, the clubs wouldn't have to travel around so much so bottom half of that would be the same as the old fourth division and yeah. he took them up and won the title oh, in six years that's incredible which, I mean well Graham Taylor did something kind of similar with Watford yeah didn't win it though did he didn't win it what the World Cup or the, or the first division did Ipswich win the first division under Ramsey oh yeah Fucking hell, yeah, yeah that's what it says, yeah. Yeah, yeah, Watford came, like, didn't Watford come <clears throat> second one did, year or something? To did Liverpool? they finish second? They might have done. My <clears throat> dad, I mean, we'll learn more about Sir Alf Ramsey, but my dad, I mean, my dad doesn't have many good words to say about many people, especially not football and footballers. <laughs> like, he loves football. He loves watching football, but he kind of hates, he's like, oh, that, that person's an idiot and all of this. And, um yeah. He wasn't the person he's spoken the most ill of to me over the years. Uh, I don't know why I might get to the bottom of it. It's Sir Ralph Ramsey. Because really? I'd often be like, Father, Father, tell me about the World Cup. Tell me about winning the World Cup. What was it like? <laughs> yes, it was good. Yes, but tell me more, Father. Was Alf Ramsey particularly clever? And he really like gets animated when you bring up Alf Ramsey. He goes, Alf Ramsey was a fucking idiot. <laughs> I don't know. Maybe Alf Ramsey got off with my mum once or something behind my dad's back because it feels like something yeah. went on. Yeah, yeah. Jalapeño. Many of us have those stubborn pounds that seem impossible to lose, no matter how good we eat or how hard we work out. My solution is Plush Care. Plush Care is a leading telehealth provider with doctors who are there for you day and night to partner with you in your weight loss journey. They can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wagovi and Zepbound for those who qualify. Plus, they accept most insurance plans. To get started, visit plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. Jalapeño. That's what it mentions here, a bit further on, that he wasn't popular, he wasn't liked right. by the press for various reasons. It says, uh, for his extraordinary breadth of achievement... 
Alf Ramsey has always been an elusive figure, an enigma whose life stories remain shrouded in mystery. And hopefully, we can unveil that shroud mm. a little bit in these podcasts over the next um, nine to twelve months. Uh, he was a private and shy man, never at ease with the limelight, and throughout his career had an awkward relationship with the media. Um, <clears throat> he had insecurities about his humble upbringing, and he built a protective shield around himself. Right. Uh, it says here, in contrast to the expansive Sir Bobby Robson, who has written at least four versions of his autobiography. I'm writing a new one because to it now ignore the last three; they were all bullshit. I'm, I, I forgot I, some I stuff. Made up. <laughs> <laughs> I remembered some new stuff. I'm putting it in this new one. Please buy it again. Um, Alf never produced any memoirs, nor did he give many revealing interviews to the press. Um, and uh, this was this is quite interesting. Um, highlighting the way that Alf would um, stick to his players, George Cohen gave an example of the time when uh, Sir Alf refused to give in to pressure from FA officials to drop Nobby Styles from the 1966 side. Now, why do you think Nobby Styles was being forced to be being dropped from the side? Had he gone out on the piss the night before? Had he headbutted an opponent? Um, you know, had he had he fucking done away put Rooney, gone out with some lasses, yeah. and been photographed, passed out drunk with someone farting yeah, at with him. Yeah, a woman's arse in his face. No, he had done a disastrous challenge on the French player Jacques Simon. <laughs> that uh, is uh, fucking George- disastrous. That get him <laughs> disastrous <dropped>. challenge. <laughs> fucking disaster that was. Absolute disaster of a challenge. <clears throat> George Cohen said the the tackle had been so late that Connex South East would have been embarrassed by it. <laughs> the trains are always late. Uh, so he did a late tackle on a French player and the FA officials were fucking trying to get Ramsey to drop him because of one tackle. That's amazing. I that's mean, that's mad. what English, English football was like for many years. I suppose some would say we still consider ourselves on the uh, world stage to be mm. more, you know, like there's... I suppose the cliche is is that all the other countries, particularly the Latin countries, yeah. shit house and and yeah. English don't because we're more about it's rules not the English and way. order. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But of course, that's bollocks. Really, I mean, the amount of penalties we've right. with dives. Yeah, we're, we're catching up with the rest of the world, hopefully. Um, so it says Sir Alf supported Styles to the hilt and even threatened to resign if the FA ordered him to change the team. But I think until. God, what was it until quite the fifties? I think the FA there was committed, a committee, the England like team, in didn't cricket. they? Yeah, is that still the case in so cricket? Still... Is there a selection board at cr- in cricket? Something like that. Yeah, yeah, I think so. And I think they the should captain, have a selection board, and I think of... you and I should be on it as representatives of the footballing podcast fraternity. Yeah, well, I don't even care that much, so you can do. Well, we don't know do enough players. That that would be up. the only problem. I'll just turn I'll be up like, for the right. First of all, Declan Rice, great <laughs> lad. Um, Wayne Rooney, is he still going? <laughs> Give it. No, uh, there's something about that lad. Give him a go. Uh, Andy, you're gonna have to help me here. I've run out of names. <laughs> um, don't know, Tony Adams. Is he still playing? <laughs> Great leader. Is he off the is he off the drink yet? Yeah. Because oh, if he's off the drink, he'll put a good shift in for you, that lad. <laughs> so yeah, so the, the FA were on his back the whole time. Um and 
after his funeral, it says that uh, after his death, there was a mixture of guilt, disappointment and anger that Sir Alfred had never been accorded the recognition he deserved. <clears throat> I mean, it might be partly because he didn't do that sort of thing. He didn't do the media merry-go-round, did he? But yeah, you never, which means he probably didn't up, you want never it. Saw, you never saw Alf Ramsey ever give an interview, ever. I don't no. know what they fucking talk like or about or anything I like that. I respect that. I respect it a lot. Yeah. I think that if you can get to a stage where you don't give a fuck if people care about your opinion or not, it means that you've really got to a good place. Yeah. <laughs> and like he, some people are just, they require relevance the whole time, don't they? Like, so one end of the yeah. spectrum, you've got like Piers Morgan, right? Piers Morgan has mm. to wake up every day and think, how can I be regarded as important and relevant? Which is a tragedy mm. because you think, well, if take that away, where are you deriving your sense of fulfilment from? And then on the other end of the spectrum, you got Alf Ramsey, who woke up every day and was like, fuck it, I've won the World fuck Cup. It. I think I'll yeah. do the crossword, go feed the docks, then get home in time for uh, uh, blockbusters. <laughs> <laughs> the, only, the, only, the only job I ever applied for after the England job debacle, I call it, was the uh, the job of presenter of Blockbusters when Holness packed it in. <laughs> I felt that was my natural home. I felt no. I felt Holness had lost his zip a few years before. I, I felt he left it two years too late. So if I'm honest, I was jockeying for position long before he announced his retirement. <laughs> Among the very few friends and allies that I had in the press, I would drop them little tidbits to drop into their gossip columns to say that I was interested in the job. I was putting out feelers. Then when Definitely. I was asked, I would deny it. You see, I knew Holness, socially, and I couldn't <laughs> let it be known to him that I was trying to win his job. <laughs> but I wrote, I wrote to the, to the boss of Channel 4, which is where it was running at the time, and I said, Holness has lost his zip. Put him out to pasture. He's ready for the glue factory. I said this. I said, I will guarantee you a BAFTA. I'm not saying when, but I will guarantee you a BAFTA. Dear Mr. Sir Michael Grade, do not make the same mistake with Holness as I did with Bobby Moore. I gave him two years too long. <laughs> um, so, yeah, we. I mean, could, because let's say, for example, the 82 World Cup. That was kind of my first full World Cup yeah. that I watched. But the, there wouldn't have been... The, the 66 World Cup to then seemed like it was a lifetime ago, but it was only 16 years. Yeah. It was only a difference between now and when Wayne Rooney burst onto the scene for England yeah. in Euro 2004. Insane, it? No time uh, at all. Yeah. But it, it seemed like it was in the dark mists of history, probably because it was in black and white when you saw yeah. the footage. Yeah. But like Sir Ralph Ramsey probably could have given... Um, a valid contribution, you know, as a, as a pundit or something oh, like that. Yeah. But no, nothing. Yeah, if you nothing. look at the eighty-two, then, I mean, I'm assuming I'm assuming you you quite often go on YouTube and look at the coverage, the BBC and ITV coverage of the eighty-two World Cup. Yeah, I, think, I, ooh, I haven't, but I will. Will they have Jimmy Hill and like Jeff Hurst or something like that? Jimmy Hill will have been on. Yeah, probably Jeff Hurst will have been on. Yeah, um, I don't know who else. Isn't there Brian a clip? Cuff. Isn't there a clip from one of those World Cups where, I should be careful what I say here, isn't there a famous clip where someone like Jeff Hurst is just being like casually racist on, on one of these shows? I don't know. I don't know. Probably. You better cut that out. I don't want to fall out with Jeff Hurst in case I see him at West Ham. 
No, I mean, you said someone liked Jeff Hurst. He didn't say it. It was pretty more well, likely to be Jack Chalmers. Is there a, I mean, he would probably be, say, the, the, is there anyone really like me? Oh, oh yeah, what? <laughs> He'd go, oh, yeah, someone like Jeff Hurst. What? The other cunt who scored Atchick in a World Cup final? <laughs> oh, no, hang, hang about. There ain't another cunt who's done it. It's only no. me. There is only one. Jeff Hurst, Delaney. And you, There's my only- son, a tenner fucking penny. And you'll see me in court. <laughs> You're fucking ten a penny, mate. You are the most disposable fucking individual I've ever met. What is it you're doing now? A fucking podcast? Oh, moved on from the CD-ROMs, have you? And you're sat there on your fat ass saying someone like Jeff Hurst, as if there is anyone, anyone <laughs> ever born on this sector dial who has come close to my fucking achievement. No come. There is only, There is only five people on this planet who no one else can know what it is like to be them. It's me and the fucking Beatles. Now fucking wind it in, Delaney. <laughs> I've had it with you, Delaney. I've shown you a lot of fucking patience over the years. You remember when you was with your mate having a stag in the hospitality at Upton Park and I came in and told you a good place to see strippers in the East End, right? That was good of me. That was extra. I ain't paid to give that sort of extra info, but I gave it because it was you. And now you cunt me off on your poxy podcast. <laughs> Fuck it. We're done, mate. <laughs> so, yeah, it was, probably, it was probably the late Jack Charlton, mm. who obviously the dead can't sue. So uh, let's see, it was him. <laughs> it was a bit The dead racist. can't sue those... is, a, a, is, the, is a new spin-off podcast we're doing. <laughs> we denigrate the dead. Yeah. <laughs> One at a time. <laughs> But there's some great footage of the, I mean, on YouTube, the like the 74 World Cup, which mm. didn't have England in it. And you've got like a panel of like Jack Charlton and Malcolm Allison and people like that. And they're all fucking smoking. Um, yeah. There's no swearing or anything. All but, in brown you know, suits that you can almost, yeah, you can almost the, smell the, the it through set. the screen. Like yeah. the, smoke, the yeah. suits smell of gravy and farts. Yeah. Yeah, and glasses of scotch under the desk. Yeah. You know what I mean? And the other all, thing all I like about even. that old footage is that they, um, Instead, when they say like these are the scores or these are the fixtures, they didn't mm. even have rudimentary like computerized graphics. They had mechanical yeah. pneumatic sets. So something yeah. would turn a big block like the set, a big block would be turned round, wouldn't it? With like yeah. here are the scores. Yeah, yeah, that's somebody had written on. It was very yeah. analog. There's- analog telly. Analog telly. Um I found on YouTube the other day uh, an ITV highlight show which was put on on a Thursday night or something and it was highlights of England playing a friendly in Russia well against the Soviet Union and obviously the the picture quality was Soviet Union 1970s and the commentary was like done down a telephone line Yeah, and uh, Dickie Davis I forgot who he had in the the studio with him might have been Jeff Hurst but it was beige as fuck lovely stuff yeah. Great. I mean I look I'll now look at the match of the day set. I think by the time this episode goes out, match of the day might have just returned to our screens or mm. be about to. You look at the match of the day set on a Saturday night and you kinda of take it for granted now. But have you seen how fucking deranged it is with all these clean, sleek lines and chrome <laughs> and colours and it's like they're they're, it's they're doing it from big. the fucking they're doing it from the deck of a fucking spaceship. Yeah, in the it's like Starship Enterprise. Like that. That's what it's based on. All Jesus. these things. And then, and then I saw Lineker doing a picture, like on his <clears> Instagram, <throat> you know, from behind the scenes. Yeah. And they're all, and and the studio they're actually in is just a massive green 
screen. It's just green screen. So they yeah. don't even see yeah. any of the shit. So they're basically making fucking Attack of the Clones. It's like Attack of the Clones. <laughs> I, I swear yeah. they're all dressed in green as well, and the fucking their clothes are added on afterwards yeah. in post production. Yeah. Right. It's like, and I just think it. I I think from their point of view as broadcasters as well. No, no, not joking, but. I think it would take something away from your ability to be natural because you're sitting in this mm. fucking huge, green massive, bright green expanse yeah. and what the viewer is seeing is not what you are seeing. And therefore, there's something... It's a lie! That, 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 that you can't really bring in the intimacy that is... The, I mean, I think Lineker's really good at generating that kind of intimacy, but it must be a hindrance. I think that they need to bring cosiness back to it. Like you describing that there, a beige studio, they're smoking fags. Do you know what I mean? They're mm. doing a commentary down line. A cosiness to watching sport on TV, I would like. I think that bombastic became the watchword where, as a result of Sky. When they started it on the Premier League, they took their lead from American sports coverage, didn't they? And it was all like massive, yeah. like um, what Michelin Webb did that sketch about it once. It's like everything's huge and everything looks space age, and like that's what kids now are used to. But I think can't they do a separate coverage for old men like us? That it's like they go back to beige sets, smoking and drinking, yeah. and no computer graphics, just big <laughs> moving ball. Maybe they could have dolly birds who walk on with the scores on cards. <laughs> We've come full circle from the start of the episode, which was television is run by cunts now. And we've yeah. come full circle. I'll tell you this, the Olympics coverage, they couldn't go out to Japan to do it there because of COVID, obviously. So it's all been done from back here. And you do not know the fucking difference. So pack in, sending people out there, sending entire teams of broadcasters out to where these things are going on. Yeah. Just do it in a base studio. Think of the environment. Shepherd's Bush. Yeah. And just fucking do it like that. For do it sake. from a fucking Don't shed the commentators out. Do it from a fucking yeah. shed. Do it anyway. No one Just cares. Just a podcast. The more intimate, the better. That's what I say. Yeah. But I, I'm not sure if kids would agree because I think kids have been raised on, they play FIFA, they've they've only seen sport done in this super slick way and maybe they would be like, look, this is shit. But for us, can't you just well, do... it is shit. Can't you just do a separate... They go, <laughs> and for our older viewers, uh, yeah. you can press the, red, the button red button to watch this on BBC4. Where it'll be presented by two old, by two fat old cunts, right? <laughs> two, 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 two out of work comedians who used to be on the working man's club circuit. <laughs> and and Mickey time, Quinn. At half time, we've got Michael Fish is going to be doing the weather on one of those old 1970s boards with the magnet clouds. Oh, yeah. That you all love so much. Yeah. All right, that's the end of this one. Uh, we, we've, we've touched a little bit on Sir Alf Ramsey. I think we've made progress. And we'll continue to try and do so over the weeks. Uh, I'm just going to end this episode by uh, summoning Oscar over. Didn't work. Won't work on Oscar. I come over. Oscar's basically a millennial. He doesn't respond in the way that yeah. these zoo animals do. No, absolutely doesn't. <laughs> All right then, bye-bye. See ya. Bye-bye.